0: everyone I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome again to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by uh, Ezring. and Ezring, actually as we were just talking before the recording started isn't too far away from me he's here in the UK and based in Leicester good to have you on the podcast Ezring. tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you very much Simon yeah it was a pleasure to to be here uh yes a little bit about myself so I'm a business coach and have been in business for the last seven years, Uh, have always been helping small businesses grow, uh, particularly in the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. Until last year, much due to COVID, I had to pivot my business, uh, one that was uh, from a face-to-face business to uh, an online one. Uh, Currently, I do all of my business on LinkedIn, and that is where I hang out And that's where I get a lot of my clients from.
0: And and that's where we were introduced, weren't we? In a group chat with somebody else who'd been a guest on the podcast. I mean, Tommy's amazing. He's sent me, I think, 24 guests so far for my podcast. (laughs) He's a machine. He really is. Uh, Oh, wow. But yeah, so we we connected through LinkedIn.
1: Yes, we did, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the, the business name, tell us what the business name is and the story behind the business name.
1: So the business name is Phoenix Coach Salting. Okay, so that's interesting. It's a combination of coaching and consulting. Yeah. Uh, so I am a coach uh, as well as a consultant. Um, if people don't know the difference between a coach and a consultant, is a coach asks a lot of, of good questions to uh, remove any mind blockers that yep. the person being coach has. A consultant is more, it worked a lot in the automotive industry where it's a past a fast paced moving industry where you tell people what to do, they just get on and do it yeah. basically. So I was a little bit of both. Phoenix, uh, as you know, the bird Phoenix rise from the ashes and it has always been my favorite bird, something that I admire mm. uh, and I've always wanted to put Phoenix because I help businesses who are nearly down in the ashes to rise back up um, and that's what it is
0: and that's very rewarding isn't it you know when I first became a coach back in 2009 you had a recession the banking crisis had just happened uh, and a lot of my work was turnaround work and whilst it's very rewarding to see these phoenixes rise out the ashes it's extremely hard work because you know a lot of these businesses are hanging on by their fingernails aren't they you know they really are at the end and they've got nowhere else to go so they must see you as a a real lifesaver to their business.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, it was quite interesting. I mean, the seven years that I've been in business, uh, I must say, I'm fortunate enough to never have had to struggle. So I didn't understand as such what the businesses were going through. Uh, It wasn't till last year, June, when my contract uh, was not renewed uh, with uh, Volkswagen Group, that I found myself having to rise up from the ashes because i went yeah. from a, over 100 clients to absolutely zero and it was only then uh, six years later that i understand what some of the business owners were going through when i was starting when i was trying mm-hmm. to help them out
0: yeah and i think you've hit on a really important thing there and we've we've been talking about this in a few episodes that that's where most coaches consultants i'm intrigued and i'll ask a little bit more questions later on about the coach and the consulting because a lot of listeners to this will be battling between am i a coach am i a consultant which one which way should i go and yeah there is no um yes you should do it this way or that way but it's it's interesting that people really see the value in somebody who has been there done it and can share their own experiences so it's interesting that you're using that experience now to share it with your own clients. Let, let's talk some coffee, shall we? Sure. And you've got you've got an interesting story about the coffee as well. So tell us about the coffee that you're drinking. Of course, there's probably a plug in here for some friends of yours as well here when it comes <laughs> to the coffee. So uh, tell us a little bit more about the coffee.
1: Right. So the coffee I'm drinking is uh, called Opus Coffee. That's O P U uh, S Coffee, and it was started by three friends who've also f- uh, are friends of mine. Who have always had this idea of starting their own uh coffee company but being the uh being in the fitness industry and being the uh athlete that they are they never had the time to actually bring this coffee up to where it needs to be but it wasn't until during the lockdown and all the gyms were shut and they weren't able to do what they normally do in the gym that they decided to focus all their energy into producing this uh brand of coffee and yep. yeah, uh, it's it's now been um, introduced, established, and is being being sold.
0: Yeah. So so what what kind of coffee is it, and what it, what is it you're drinking? Is it a dark roast, light roast? Is it, is it? Describe the coffee to us, so we get a little bit an idea of the taste.
1: <sighs> okay, so there's two types of coffees. I do the uh, it's, a, it's it's both roasted. So they've okay. got the Brazilian and the Colombian. Coffee, the one that I'm drinking is the Brazilian. Um, Oh, interesting. How do I describe it?
0: Mm.
1: It's uh, not as strong as the coffee that I normally go for.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I normally go into either Starbucks or Costa. Uh, So it's not as strong as the coffee uh, that Starbucks or Costa produce. But it's got a really nice, smooth taste to it and there's something about this coffee that i don't need to add and it's it's best drank uh without milk yeah or sugar because then you really get to taste it and it's got this certain aroma to it that uh when you're making and you make it in a cafeteria uh when you make it you can really smell it and it's very it's very addictive to smell okay uh yeah even for someone who's uh, drank coffee for years uh, every time i yeah. smell that it's like oh i, I can yeah, tell which
0: yeah. one what coffee this is yeah and, and it's interesting you say there about um you know the strength because i think you know a lot of us when particularly when we're drinking coffee a lot and you know as we're working from home particularly as you said you know going from a face-to-face business perhaps when you're with clients you don't get to drink that much coffee i drink more coffee when i'm at home than i do when I'm with clients definitely absolutely um so we need something that is that little bit smoother. You know, it's nice to go out and have a Starbucks. You know, it's my favourite coffee, but I wouldn't want to drink it all day. So sometimes yeah. we need something that's that easy to drink. It's a bit like red wine. You know, I, you know, I used to love a particular red wine. you just used to put it at the side of the sofa and just keep sipping it. And it was easy to drink all day. And it wasn't something you could just... I had to drink with a meal because it was so strong. So, it's, yeah, it's interesting how you described it there. Yeah, um, you. And you take it black. So... Other than that, what is your favorite coffee? You've mentioned Starbucks, you mentioned Costa. You know, is there a particular type of coffee, a particular way of drinking it. You know, uh, tell us a little bit more about your favorite coffee, perhaps.
1: So, if I have time to it, it will have to be a cafeteria, and it's always in the morning. So, okay. before I do any work whatsoever, yep. I, I spend about, well, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Not making the coffee, but making it and then just sitting down drinking it and just enjoying it uh, before I do anything. So I'm not one that uh, would drink my coffee whilst I'm doing my work. Uh, yeah, yeah i'll have the coffee first i'll enjoy it then i'll go and do my work
0: uh basically. Ah, that's interesting so is that part of the morning routine then is it because you know uh, i think morning routines as we've learned from one of the previous episodes are important so that's part of your morning routine is it
1: yes that is actually i've never yeah. thought of it that way but now that you've mentioned it it is because it is also the time where i think about the things that i will be doing um during the day yeah I do a lot on LinkedIn these days. So it's also the time where I think about ideas on what I want to post, uh, what topic I'll be covering, what sort of value I can add in my post, etc.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's what we do with the time as well, isn't it? It's not just the the drinking. It's not just enjoying the coffee and and having that favorite coffee. It's having that favorite time when we make use of it and value that time that we have.
1: Absolutely. yeah. Yeah.
0: It's interesting as you say that I always have a honey and lemon first thing in the morning. Ah. And I have my morning routine, and one of the things I do is I use the time that the kettle is boiling to write up my journal, and that you know it's that ritual, it's that routine every morning, and that's why I write write up the you know the the journal that I have.
1: That's interesting.
0: So tell us, for listeners, you might hear my dog barking downstairs. I'm on my own in the house, so I don't know what it's barking at, but. Um, What's been the latest or most significant thing that you've fixed in your business? You're obviously given an idea of the the pivot. Tell us anything different or tell us more about that latest or most significant thing in your own business.
1: So I think the most significant thing that helped me with my business is to really trust the process. So there's a process in, in doing everything. And this is something that I have used with all of my clients, uh, everything that we do, uh, that's always this process that I follow. Um, and when I was pivoting my business onto LinkedIn, uh, I was looking at what others were doing that were already successful and how they were getting the engagement, etc., etc. And I noticed the little things that they do that I turned it into a system or process mm-hmm. that and also asking them how they do what they do. And by them telling me about it, uh, I know that's a process of doing it, but the thing with process, it doesn't necessarily work maybe the first a hundred times, for example, but it's to really trust the process that it works and to give it enough time for it to work. Uh, and when it does, yep, that's where you stick to it. You stay consistent and that's where success comes from as far as I uh, believe it to be
0: yeah and it's interesting so two things there I think that listeners take away one it's the modeling isn't it you know see what other people are doing well and model it but also ask yeah. for their help what kind of response did you get when you asked people for that help and what was working for them tell the listeners a little bit more about because that's we're always fearful about asking for help aren't we
1: this is it so the first first time I was doing it uh my questions were slightly different and i was getting a lot of uh, not to say rejection but a lot of pushback uh, from people who are already doing it. and my question was oh can you tell me how you do this can you tell me or show me how you're able to get x amount of likes or engagement on yeah. your posts?" and people do like to help to a certain extent but we have to yeah. understand that people are also running a business. So their yeah. time is money. So whilst they've given me the answer, the answer is very vague. So they probably say, right, this is what I do, uh, X, Y, Z. And then I can go away and i try to figure out what X, Y, and Z is. But when I change the way I ask, uh, being a coach, we were taught how to yeah. ask, uh, things differently. But when I, changed the way I asked. And my question changed to um, do you mind sharing your success with me on LinkedIn?
0: Mm, And that's interesting.
1: Suddenly, everyone loves talking about their success. Because um, yeah, it massages their ego. Yeah. So when you say you're not only are you calling them telling them that they're successful, you're interested in their story, everyone loves a good story yeah uh, so when they tell the story that's where you start probing into it okay that's interesting tell me more about this tell me more about that and before you know it you can almost picture what are the process that they have taken what are the mistakes that they've made because also in asking them their success story they'll tell you about their failures the things that they've done that don't work yeah so those are the things i'll put away and i'll use the things that work and after that i get this whole picture as to okay that's really interesting maybe i should try this and then
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's a great thing to ask well ask for help uh, you know congratulate them and then you know ask them about their success yeah great so how has that been how's linkedin been for you and what can you tell us about you know, the the last six months or so for you
1: so linkedin over the last couple of years have changed a lot. It used to be a platform where people would literally put on put their digital CV on and then they'll go away and hopefully yeah. recruiters will find them, uh, connect with them and offer them a job. But over the last couple of years, it's, it's changed. It's almost like the Facebook for professionals where people go on LinkedIn and that's where they learn new things. That's where they connect. Uh, with new people and um, network and networking is also one of the biggest thing that I have learned uh, during pivoting my business Um, that has helped me a lot understanding what other people are doing networking with them building relationship and being referred work because they now know like and trust me yeah Uh, so that's helped a lot and LinkedIn is is still that platform that whilst only i think two percent of people post content on linkedin so it's a good place to start uh, really is
0: it that low two percent yes yeah
1: yeah yeah 98 of them are just those who just not to say yeah kind of lurk in the back and yeah uh comment every now and again on a post but are the people who are interested in in, in networking, so they'll they'll enjoy a, a good chat in the DMs, or you yeah. can take it outside of DMs and uh, have a Zoom call, etc. So it's it's yeah. it's a really good platform.
0: It's interesting. I've just been listening to Russell Brunson's book, uh, Traffic Secrets, and one of the things he suggests in Traffic Secrets, uh, which ties into what you've just said there, ring is that. Yeah, we need to ask ourselves: Are are we consumers of social media, or are we contributors? Yeah, and very many people are consumers. You know, we read, we we look at it. You know, like you say, we might comment every once in a while, um, but we we have to make sure we get that balance right because if we're going to get business from social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, any other platforms, then we should be a contributor we should be putting things out there that are value to people yes. definitely and uh, yeah it's, it's interesting how your perception of linkedin's changed. i've i'm very much a facebook fan i've, I've got a lot of leads off of facebook for a number mm. of years and linkedin is something that i'm just getting into more i've always been on linkedin but never really used it for driving leads mm. and you're right it has changed um I can't remember was it microsoft that bought it i can't remember somebody somebody bought it didn't they somebody bought Correct. it, it? Yes. and and it it went to me it went downhill very quickly but then it seemed to pick itself back up because it very much went back to a recruitment site it felt like but now certainly since the pandemic it's been a community site hasn't it it's been somewhere where business owners have supported each other and shared things
1: absolutely before the pandemic Uh, it was still a platform that only 1% were posting and the other 99%, were. when when I say 99%, you have a lot that just would would open an account and do absolutely nothing with it. So the 99% doesn't really mean 99%, but it wasn't through the pandemic and everyone going online that it was only recently has had a growth of, we say 100% because now it's up (laughs) to to, 2% people uh, posting uh, content. But it's still a small percentage of people, which is yeah. why sometimes when you're on LinkedIn, you will see posts from three days ago and five days a week and up to a month ago, you'll still see the post lurking or floating yeah. around LinkedIn because LinkedIn is it's a platform that promotes quality content. And then if yeah. your content is has a good quality, it has engagement, it'll keep it on the platform because there's not enough content creators who are creating good content for LinkedIn to continue to publish on your feed yeah
0: so I want to dig a little bit deeper into the the phoenix experience of yourself before we give the listeners their their tip so you've helped people with their own phoenix you know process Um, what is it what have you taken away what's the big lesson that you've learned um, in your own sort of sort of semi phoenix i wouldn't say you've gone complete phoenix but i mean yeah losing 100 clients in that short space time is certainly (laughs) on the edge of anybody's phoenix but you know how how has it been for you what have you learned from that going through the process yourself
1: there's there's always a person behind the business and Mm. the person is the reflection of how the business is doing so oh. if you understand the person you understand what's stopping the person you'll be able to understand the business more you'll never find a successful business with a lazy business owner behind it yeah yeah a hard-working person you'll find a successful business so if his business is not doing well it's got nothing to do with the business it's got nothing to do with the customers of those business yep. but it's most definitely have to do with the person running the show running the business so understanding the person first um understanding what the blockers is understanding their own personal value and how that reflects or if the value is congruent with the business's value yeah yeah You'll be able to understand why the business is not doing well. Now, a person might have a value of, let's say, just for for example, my my biggest value is being healthy. Yeah. So even in the, when the pandemics happened, I was still doing workouts outside, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, if a company decides to work with me, but what they were producing is stuff that is not healthy to their your body or your mind. Mm whilst I may work with them because I'm desperate for money, yep. it will never be a long-term relationship because our values gotcha. are just not incongruent. So yeah. understanding all that first before yeah. doing it. Now I do this with a lot of my clients. The second question that uh, I ask out of the first eight question of my client is, well, what are your values? Yeah. Because that also determines what type of people you're trying to look for. Because if you find your clients who share the same value, you have a client for life.
0: Yeah. Completely Otherwise,
1: you just have a customer, and that's yeah.
0: it. Yeah, and I certainly know. You know, my first ever coach was back in the mid '90s when I had a construction business. And the first thing he got me to do—he was an action coach. The first thing he got me to do was to list my values. Yeah, print them out because that's what we did in those days, yeah. uh, and put them on reception so that every person that came into the office knew how we did business. Yeah, they knew our values. Not only did the staff and the team do it. And we recruited against those values and we chose our clients against those values. I, I remember firing my first ever client as a construction business. In fact, actually they were from your area as well, uh, heaven homes. Okay. Uh, and we, we fired them as a client. And then the MD said, you, you can't fire us. We're your client. You know, we're <laughs> the ones that decide. And I said, no, no, your team did not work in accordance with our values. You know, you treat us like something on the bottom of your shoe. You yeah. pay us late. You expect us to move heaven and earth for delivery. Um, yeah, and the way you treat your own staff is just dreadful. Sorry, no, we don't want to do business with a business like you. And uh, and he was absolutely devastated that we mm-hmm. fired him as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's good. I'm glad that you mentioned that, and, uh, and it's the people. I love that. Even the big companies, even the virgins and the apples, Mm. Ultimately, they they started by and still probably do have an element of that reflection of the people behind the business, don't they? Correct. You know, the Branson effect, the Steve Jobs effect is still there.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Day. And uh, personal branding is a really big thing for 2021. It, it has always been big, but with people going online, personal branding has always been a big thing. Uh, that when I work with my clients, I'm, like, I'm working with you. You need to, to build your own brand before you build a company's brand. Yeah. Uh, you have people like, uh, like you say, Branson or uh, Tim Cook. Uh, yeah. They have a brand of their own before they have the company's brand and they have a bigger follower than the uh, company's following, yeah, yeah. et cetera. So you'll have more people following Richard Branson on Twitter than they would yeah. on Virgin themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's all about
1: the person and yeah, it's the same with LinkedIn as well. Uh, you'll have business owners who have a, a lot of following on their personal account, but not on the business account, because that's te- it's telling something. People yeah. are following you before they're following your business.
0: Yeah, it's really important. So if you could give the the listeners a way of connecting to you, you mentioned LinkedIn, tell us how we connect to you. So
1: it, it, is, it is LinkedIn uh, that I'm on. Uh, is Ezrin Raja, that's E-Z-R-I-N-R-A-J-A. You'll you'll see my face, I've got an orange background at the back of it, that's the colour of the phoenix, (laughs) so that's me.
0: Uh, and it looks like yeah. you've got glasses on the LinkedIn profile as well. This is, you know, listeners, you can't see him on the video now, but he did confuse me slightly. So I was expecting somebody to come on here with glasses yeah. and you haven't.
1: I, only reason <laughs> is because I always have this ring light uh, when uh, I talking to someone
0: on Zoom. It
1: reflects and glares back. It just yeah, doesn't work.
0: Yeah, good point. Yep. <laughs> good point. So yeah. find you on LinkedIn. So that's Ezrin. So that's E-Z-R-I-N. Yep. For our, any American listeners, that's E-Z-R-I-N. And then Raja R A J A. Correct. Perfect. So find you on LinkedIn, connect with Ezring and find yeah. out more about what he does and what he's got to share. Yeah. As my dog continues to bulk downstairs, <laughs> uh, if you could give the listeners one tip, one thing to take away that they can do something with today, what would that be? What, what would that lesson be to share with them?
1: Okay. If you're going to do anything, make sure you are adding value to the person that you're doing it to or providing it to so for me i have this three question that i ask myself before posting is my post educational inspiring or personal uh, if they are then yes i post if If my post adds value to one person who reads it, they go away, they take away, and they do something and it works, then my post is of value. So whatever you're doing, make sure you're adding value to the person that you're providing it to.
0: And I'm going to ask you a question about how people perceive that value and how they determine that value. But before I do that, just just give us those three things again. Education...
1: Educational, inspiring or personal?
0: Great. So three things. It's gotta check those three things. Educational, yeah. inspiring, personal. Mm-hmm. So how do our listeners, because some of them will be doing their own social media and putting their own posts out, some of them like myself will be getting other people to do it. How we how do we determine that we're adding value? Because it's very easy for us to think we're adding value, but it's very sometimes very hard to see that the listeners are seeing it as value.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll use example from posts because that's well, what I know how to do. Um, encourage them to engage with your posts. Ask questions uh, in the comment section. Yeah. Uh, even a straightforward question as to has this uh, has this post added value to you? Or asking people, what else would you add to this post? Have you experienced this? And when people engage with you you know they've taken the time to actually stop read all of your posts Mm. and then comment on it so whatever it is that you've done there they feel like there is value there's enough of value for them to continue to engage with their post but if you see a post of just a funny cat okay probably has some humor to it and you laugh which is still value it made you smile and laugh you probably engage a little bit you probably like it but if the post adds value and it questions and it uh i call it it people call it call um cta call to action i call it call to engage so you invite people to engage with it and um yeah if you get that chances are you're you're adding value to it yeah and also the thought of if someone read this, what can they take from this? Go away and do, and it will transform their life. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It yeah. could just be how to save time making a coffee. Yeah. Something like that. What can yeah. you? What else can you do whilst making a coffee?
0: Yeah. Write yeah. up your journal. Think about what you're going to do for the day. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, someone might read definitely.
1: that and thinking, oh, wow, yeah, that's a good tip. And they start doing that, and there you go.
0: Yeah, no, That's how that. you
1: build credibility as well, because when you yeah. do something, you've add value and people try it and it works. Guess what? They'll keep coming back to you. They'll keep reading your posts. And once you've built that credibility, uh, you build that following, uh, they might not necessarily buy from you there and then, but the moment that they are ready, guess who they're going to look for is you. And I've had this so many times where yeah. clients been like, I saw your post from a few months ago and I followed you since, but I've never been ready, but now I am so let's yeah. talk
0: my longest ever one on linkedin from somebody who started following me on linkedin and has been engaging yeah and eventually said now i'm, I'm at the point where we need to talk was eight years
1: wow <laughs>
0: yeah eight years uh and he he was always one that we you know he would ask questions and he was always engaging but he said now you and i need to talk yeah uh, which was interesting I'm going to give the listeners something else to um, think about when they're adding value as well because this is something that I'm very passionate about that you're sharing here, Ezra,ing about adding value is give that value unconditionally. Correct. I see so many people that are so annoying on LinkedIn because they, they want to give you something, but they want to get something back. And usually they want to get more back than what they've given you. Uh, and that's never a good mix. And I know that when I used to... Uh, be involved in motorcycle racing and sponsorship. We used to get people who we'd say, "You know, how much can you sponsor the team?" And we'd get people say, "Oh, I'll, you know, I'll give you five hundred pounds for a particular race or something like that." And then they would want a thousand pounds worth of tickets and hospitality. Well, where's the benefit for the team? How are we going to afford to pay for tyres if we give you a thousand pounds worth of uh, value for the? for the 500 pound contribution. So give it unconditionally. I think that's really, really important as well.
1: Absolutely, and I tell my clients the same thing. Uh, When I say just give value 100%, give everything out. Yeah. Because the knowledge that you're giving should be free because they can just Google it and it's there. It's the application of that knowledge that's what they're paying you for. And when I say that, it's like, what? You want me to give everything, my blueprint? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, give it. It shocks them. Yeah. I also say to them, and this is saying the moment you stop selling is the moment you start selling. Yeah. Create oh, okay. a post that is not to sell, but to give and to give. The moment you give and you, you yeah. have no agenda on that post, you're not trying to sell, that's when people start buying from you suddenly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. I know there's going to be quite a few coaches and consultants or a mix of both. And we'll, we'll finish off yeah. on that question next. Uh, listening to this, you know, I, I've just been this week. I'm in the middle of uh, what's called a black belt intensive. If any of you are coaches, you should check out Taki Moore, T A K I, is his first name, Moore with an E. Taki has been my marketing coach and um, an inspiration to lead generation and the way that I run my coaching business. He's just one of my coaches uh, over in Sydney. And I was on a black belt intensive this morning, four hours this uh, session this morning which was great it flew by but what i saw there was other coaches and people giving presentations saying here's a link to my google drive here's all of my emails Mm -hmm. all of my videos all of my scripts for that campaign that worked for me have it on me here's the link download it not give me your email details buy this and you know you're quite right about the when you stop selling I could see half of the guests, because I'm a guest on this black belt. Half of them are already saying, "How do I get into this group? How do I buy black belt?" I've been black belt before, um, and yeah, I, it definitely makes you want to go back. It make it pulls you in because you think, if these people are giving this stuff, and it's amazing because they're giving their best, what else have they got? What else am I going to get? And and it pulls you in, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So, if any coaches and consultants are listening to this, check out Tacky Moore. Uh, he's got some great giveaways, some great lead magnets, and you know, I, I've been a client of his um, now for what, nine years, so wow. a long while.
1: My name's very familiar, but I'll, I'll have yeah. to have a look at
0: him. Again. Yeah, he is a master at selling on webinars. You know, from a, he, he's got some amazing things of transitions and things like that. So coach consulting again you know this is directed more to the coaches and consultants that are listening to this tell us any tips anything you can share about that mix and that merge of the coach and the salting um tell us a
1: bit about that okay so if there's any coaches out here listening well you know as a coach uh what we do is we ask good quality questioning to understand the things that are going on to understand more about the person we're coaching. So we don't necessarily have to be in the same industry as your client Mm. to be able to coach them. So I could be in uh, in an industry where I was in the automotive industry, but I could be coaching someone who is a hairdresser, as you can tell, listeners can't see, but hair is not something that I, I worry we're, we're we're so. oh, well,
0: okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it doesn't necessarily mean that I've got no experience I'm not able yeah. to coach them uh, being a hairdresser uh, but it's asking the question because as a coach you have to always believe that the person you're coaching has the answers on mm. how to become successful you just have to ask the right question for them to come up with that answer Yeah, yeah Right. right however when you're consulting it's almost like you've been you can either one already be in that industry therefore you're yeah. able to consult on what works best and there there's that line of consulting and mentoring as well there's that yeah. fine line or if we go back to this i'm automotive hairdresser I can still consult on their business is because if the hairdressers is looking to franchise their business, grow it further,
0: yeah.
1: I've been helping the automotive industry do the same thing.
0: So it's transferable. Yes. Yeah. Like so that.
1: I know what can help people grow. Yeah. So that way that's that merge. I can help you grow, but I can also coach you to understand what's stopping you from growing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I love the, the way you've described them for, for the businesses that are listening to this. I think there's something really, really important there that you need to pick up on it as well. If you if you're looking at coaching or you have a coach or a consultant, think about what Ezra just said there. Are they asking you great questions so that you can find the answers or are they trying to imprint their knowledge and the answers onto you? Yes. And if they're a coach and they're trying to imprint, okay, there might be sleeves rolled up coaching like I say I am. But I think as a business owner, you need to be aware of the coach that you're working with or thinking of, what their style is and what you're looking for. Are you looking to find your own way or are you looking to buy something? Because I know a lot of people, a lot of businesses out there take on a coach and they expect the coach to have a magic wand and fix it. And that's not what the coach does. The coach, gets them to find the wand and fix it themselves. The consultant is what you're really looking for if you're looking for the magic wand effect. Correct. Uh, and Or somebody who's got, an, as, as you do, Ezring, somebody who's got a combination of both. So thank mm-hmm. you very much for explaining that. Last question, coffee question. Cool. Okay. If you were going to have your next Opus coffee, just a quick plug for your friends, Uh, Of course, I'm open to sponsorship of this podcast at any time, Uh, especially by Starbucks. That'd be great, wouldn't it? (laughs) It would be. Um, If you're going to have your next coffee, as we record this and we're in lockdown at the moment here in the UK, if you're going to have your next coffee in a dream location, tell us where that would be and obviously Leicester you're in one of the worst areas of the UK you've been locked down <laughs> forever haven't you you know when when the rest of us came out of lockdown you stayed in lockdown
1: we stayed in lockdown
0: yeah it's, I mean I, I I sympathize with you completely so where would that dream location be
1: the moment you asked me that question the location that popped into my head is Santorini uh, okay. Yeah, that's where I will be going as soon as this lockdown finishes, And I'll tell you why. Uh, Last year, April, me and my, well, now wife, we were supposed to be getting married in Santorini in April.
0: So where's Santorini? In Greece. In Greece, okay, yeah. Greece, Santorini. Yeah.
1: A month before we were due to fly out uh, to get married, uh, Mm. and it was actually my now wife, was uh, on her way picking up her wedding dress. We got the call from uh, Santorini to yeah. say that they have gone into national lockdown, so oh. they had to cancel uh, all our weddings, etc. So this was a month before, so we postponed it to uh, to do it in June. But yeah. Lester never came out from lockdown, so we did not go. And yep. then we moved it to October, and yep, again it didn't happen. Uh, So in the end, we decided to just uh, get married in the UK uh, with about 30 guests who were planning to come out to Santorini anyway. So we still managed to get the 30 guests, but changed it to 15. Uh, But we've always said, when this is over, that's where we're going, (laughs) we're we're going Santorini. And then now you've mentioned, I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I'm definitely taking this coffee. I'm just sitting down and just reflecting on what a crazy year it's been. Yeah. But what well, what an achievement we've had as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you do that, when you have that Opus Coffee in Santorini, we want a post on social media oh. of you holding up the bag, the coffee, with the backdrop of wherever it is in Santorini. We want to share that with you. All the listeners are with you there on that. And to go through oh. that process of having to postpone your wedding, you know, you know, I, I can't yeah. think how heart-rendering that must have been. <sighs>
1: Yeah, trying to, trying to deal with that as well as the business at the same time, it was quite interesting. But Simon, you mentioned in that, oh, that's just given me goosebumps going to Santorini and actually taking that picture.
0: Yeah, well, we we want to see it. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, Ezrin, you have been great at giving up your time. Uh, listeners, thank you for taking time to listen to this and put up with some of my dog barking in the background as well. <laughs> Um, you are giving us some great awareness, some great education, and I know that you've taken some value from this. And Ezrin, thank you very much for being on today's podcast. You've been an absolute star.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: And listeners, as always, make sure you do something with what you've heard today. Take something away from it. Write it down. Put it on a Post-it note. Do something where you can show the value that you can give um, and take some of those things. Ask people about their success and think about being the person. You know, are you the real reflection behind the business that you have? And does the business reflect you? And do you reflect the business? Because sometimes there's, they're going off at different directions. So take what Ezring has shared here and do something with it. And I really look forward to giving you more awareness, more education, and, of course, talk more about coffee on the next podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>